Welcome to the RISE Podcast. This show, Ill Tidings. Even if we were to bring all greenhouse gas emissions to a screeching halt today, the impact of climate change on coastal communities will be severe. Rising water levels, bigger storms, higher tides and waves, all hitting cities built along the water. We need to figure out how to adapt, now. But for the most part, we're not. This is a problem around the world and along the shores of the San Francisco Bay, including Foster City, where waves are lapping at the levee, protecting this town. Meet the Foster family. Well, I'm T. Jack Foster, Jr. I'm uh, Patricia Foster, mother of most of these children here. This is my progeny. I'm the oldest daughter. My stepmother. Of uh, T. Jack Foster, Jr. and Uh, Patricia Foster. My step-uncle. I'm the husband of Laura Foster and the father of Jack and Foster IV, and uh, I'm Jack III. And then my dad married Lee. My name's Greg Sudmeyer. I'm married to Lee Foster. The Fosters live, not coincidentally, in Foster City, a town of 30,000 perched at the edge of the San Francisco Bay sitting right next to Silicon Valley. Foster City is part of the urban development ringing the Bay's southern coastline, where there are significant economic interests to defend. Jackson Foster, um, I'm also known as Thomas Jack Foster IV. I'm the daughter of Jack Foster. I'm Laura Foster, Foster. mom of Jackson Foster and Shannon Foster. So it's basically like the Brady Bunch times 10. (laughs) T. Jack Foster Jr., the patriarch of this clan, created Foster City with his dad, T. Jack Sr., out of, well, mud. All of Foster City, all of Foster City was on the old mud flat. They call them mud flats. So maybe, I guess that's, there's a nicer name for them, they're tidelands or something like that. <laughs> we call them mud flats. But they've been long gone. The South Bay once supported a vast wetland. Almost all of it is gone now, diked and drained to create real estate. But Foster City has the distinction of being the only city on the bay that was formerly 100% wetlands. It was my dad that uh, he said, well, we're going to call it Foster City. So uh, there's no argument about that. <laughs> Originally drained by Frank Brewer for farmland, TJAC saw an opportunity to convert this land to a far more valuable use. We built it to sell and to invest in. It was a very good investment. The median family income here is over $130,000. I'm proud because it turned out so well. That just just really tickles me. It's not just T-Jack who's proud of the city he built with his father. It's always interesting when uh when, you know, I say, like, oh, my name's Jackson Foster, I'm from Foster City, and then people go, is there any connection there? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, wait, what? That's so cool. <laughs> but today, Foster City is threatened by rising seas and high tides brought on by climate change. Climate change is actually expanding the volume of the ocean. The oceans are getting warmer and the actual molecules are expanding. It's called thermal expansion of the world's oceans. And some sea level rise is attributable to thermal expansion. That's Dr. Healy Hamilton. She works on climate change issues at the California Academy of Sciences. 
A second way in which climate change is causing sea level to rise is simply through the melting of very, very large ice caps over land masses that as it melts and goes into the sea contributes directly to rising levels of the world's oceans. But sea level rise is just part of the problem. Climate change is turning up the energy on the global climate system. That means that when rain falls, we have more rainfall, more intense waves, more wind, bigger tides. All of these are causing higher storm surges, coastal inundation, faster erosion. The, the word is climate disruption. It's climate disruption. State officials think that Foster City is headed for trouble. Okay, I'm Will Travis. I'm the executive director of the Bay Conservation and Development Commission. Travis, as he likes to be called, has got a tough job. He's got to figure out what to do with coastal cities like Foster City, built along the edge of the San Francisco Bay. So based on the scientific scenarios of what we can expect in California over the next century, areas like Foster City, which are low-lying, are facing difficult decisions in the future. It will be extraordinarily expensive to protect that area for forever in the face of sea level rise. It will be extraordinarily difficult to abandon it, uh, and it will be extraordinarily difficult to do most anything else about it. But families are invested in living here, culturally and economically. Foster City is really like, uh, it's very community-oriented. No crime. I mean, it's a very tight community, and if, if you have kids, every weekend you're in Sea Cloud Park with either Little League or soccer or one of those sports. I still, like, always hang out with my friends in Foster City. They're, like, some of my best friends. And how sure are we that we actually do have a problem on our hands? The way that we measure the level of the oceans has become increasingly sophisticated over time. Today, we use laser altimetry. That's planes that fly over an area and they measure the height of the sea level relative to the sea floor. In addition, we use satellites that can provide a reference to changing ocean heights. So although we don't know exactly how high the sea level is going to get by exactly what year, we know that sea level will increase significantly. We're on the top of Levy in Fossa City. It's beautiful and peaceful city. Um, it's a nice place to live. Um, without, if we don't have the, any issue like sea level rise, um, I'll live here. That's Yumi Lee. She's an architect with a special interest in Foster City. My name is Yumi Lee. I am a landscape architect in uh, San Francisco. I try to focus on sustainability and um, the environmental issues. I'm also uh, teaching at Seoul National University in Korea, um, Graduate School of Environmental Study. Yumi's worried about the people who do choose to live behind Foster City's levee in the path of sea level rise. The levee always break and we don't know how long this levee will withstand. Um, it is possible this entire city might be under sea level rise um, impact, but I'm hoping the city steps up because there are many other cities around the world who are going to have exactly the same problem. If indeed the levels of the ocean rise, we'll deal with it. We can, we'll raise the levees like we did before. You know, it's not like it's a big deal. Just put in some more fill and put some more riprap out there. 
As we make levees higher, we're building on soft bay mud. Essentially, as you put a foot of fill on top, you push the underlying structure down. So the more you put on top, the farther it goes down, so the more you have to put on top. Some things in life, including levees, improve with age. So I think people do too. <laughs> Everybody has a dream of having the house close to the water. You know, I want to have a house close to the water, looking at the ocean. Um, unfortunately, that it's, that's becoming the environmental problems. Climate change is increasing the intensity of storms, amplifying the wind, and forcing more and more water over our low-lying areas. We already have sea level rise. Here comes one of those intense storms and we will have extreme flooding and with increasing frequency. Should we have built this city on landfill? It may be a moot point by now. But the question of what to do with places like Foster City in the face of sea level rise is not. We have been calling for new development and planning for the shoreline of San Francisco Bay to be resilient and sustainable to sea level rise. That's Will Travis again from BCDC, or the Bay Area Conservation and Development Commission. He went looking for an answer to this puzzle, and he found a lot of them. So what we decided to do is hold a design competition, which is something where you can offer up $10,000 in prize awards and you get $100,000 worth of free advice. Well, we got that free advice 130 times over. We had 130 submissions from 18 nations. I was interested in this rising tide competition because I live in the area that is uh, prone to the flood. And I wanted to know about uh, San Francisco Bay in terms of what, you know, what will happen with the sea level rise. So I wanted to learn about it. Yumi Lee submitted a design to BCDC's competition, and she was one of the six winners. When I was looking at the solution for the rising tide competition, I couldn't find one solution that works for everywhere. So I had to come up with um, three solutions. Yumi's three solutions covered three different scenarios around the bay. She argues that some places are just vital to the area's economy, like the airports, the financial district, and we'll just have to protect them whatever the cost. They'll get wrapped in high levees. Other areas are still undeveloped and can be restored to wetlands. The third scenario... The most difficult solution is for the cities in, uh, around the shoreline that it's already developed with many people living in there. What are we going to do? She took Foster City as an example. Is there any way that we can save the city, make it more sustainable, or make it more safe? Yumi developed a plan that would move people off Foster City's low-lying lands. Then some of this land would be raised up and high-density apartments and businesses built on this high ground. On the rest of the land, the low-lying land. Create some open spaces where the, the water will be inundated. T-Jack's family was less than enthusiastic about this idea. Moving you guys out of your houses and filling the ground up higher and then moving you into high-density housing. 
That's the silliest idea I've ever heard in my life. If that were, made a lot of sense, we'd have done it that way in the first place. <laughs> but it doesn't make any sense. It's, you know, it's a pipe dream. It's ridiculous. So what are they going to do with all the people <laughs> that live here? Because that... I mean, this is my home, and yeah. I don't think I, I would enjoy... I think a lot of people would like that. I feel like unless there's an actual life-threatening issue of us being flooded, then, yeah, obviously we're going to have to leave. But for, if they're just trying to... Just trying to like, oh, this is a solution to a possible problem. No, 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 no. Possible. I'm sorry. I'm not moving. I've never feel, felt like unsafe here at all. Like, I always feel safe here. She doesn't really believe that what she thought of made sense, does she? And this is a lot of homes and a lot of people to do that to. Well, I'll, I'll be glad to talk her out of it. I bet I can persuade her in no time <laughs> at all that it makes no sense. Yeah, and then, then she can persuade me that what we did here makes no sense. Yumi took the challenge and agreed to meet with T-Jack. We'll go into the conference room, okay? Well, congratulate you on being a winner. Oh, thank you. That's great. That's good. It's great to have a city named after your name. <laughs> well, if you start your own city, you can name it anything you want to. Well, how did you happen to just focus on Foster City? I looked at the, the shoreline cities and then tried to find out where the most impact will happen. So I picked the Foster City because it was 100% built with the landfill. Oh, I see. Okay. Yes. There are many cities uh, like Foster City. My, you know, my country back in Korea or Indonesia, anywhere, everywhere, um, you have the same problem, like new city built with a landfill. There is a hidden problem, there is a future problem. Um, to, to sustain this fossil city uh, with the current, current rate of sea level rise, we have to come up with a solution. So this, this proposal shows a possible reconstruction plan yeah. of the fossil city, yes. You see, I disagree 100%. Uh, if you're going to reconstruct it, mm -hmm. you, how are you going to get people to give up their homes? To be honest, I, I don't know the answer. Well, as a, as a practical matter, I don't think people are going to, if they, you know, they bought a house for a million dollars, they're not mm -hmm. going to walk away from it. They've got to be bought out of it. Yeah, I totally And so it, it makes, that would be very expensive. Plus the fact they like living out here. They like their lifestyle. You would have a hard time selling this plan in Foster City. It's probably would be difficult. Because <laughs> it would be impossible. If I'm living in absolutely the... uneconomically feasible, mm -hmm. and uh, it wouldn't work because underlying Foster City, and this is true of most of the mudflats, are 60 to 80 feet of mud, and as you put weight on it, it sinks. The other option is we just leave it as it is. We just there's nothing there we can. There we go. No. Now we're talking. Yeah, no, no, we just leave. <laughs> no, I I've been thinking that there are many options. Probably will be okay 10, 20 years. Okay, maybe we'll abandon entire city. Maybe people decide to move to somewhere else. How, how much sea rise? The numbers been changing all the time. No one knows. It's all environmental. The Save the Bay people, all they want to do is save the bay. They use every single tool that they can to save the bay, including scare tactics on rising waters and everything else. I don't know. I don't, I don't consider myself as environmentalist, environmentalist to begin with. I'm responding to what's going to be happening. As a designer. Nobody knows what's going to happen this lady. You don't know, and I don't know. It's an issue. I do feel kind of strongly. You know, I, to me, it's just—it's almost—it's a—it's it's, it's a tragedy. It is difficult. The way we're uh, we're squeezed. When I look at the city, it's really beautiful, peaceful, serene place to live. What I call environmental zealotry is now governing our planning rather than good common sense and economic necessity. Uh, you know, that's not the American way. 
Tijek and Yumi were pretty polite to each other, but once outside, Yumi had some stronger opinions. I, I totally understand that he doesn't want to believe that the whole city will be in the jeopardy. They only want to look at the one year, two year. It's very hard to imagine and then plan for something that's 10 or 20 years, but that's exactly what we need. The people of the foster city should start acting. It's, an, it's a survival. It's not development, it's a survival issue. Tijek did have some good arguments, and Yumi's ideas may not be practical. While BCDC chose her plan for their competition, Travis sees this as just the beginning of the conversation. I wouldn't take any of the proposals too literally. We were asking for ideas. We weren't asking for solutions. We want to use these to inspire people to think differently about how we deal with the problems of the future. The hard truth is, we don't know what to do with places like Foster City. It's going to make very difficult decisions for a lot of us. This is going to be a, a complicated, messy process. I think at least, least we can do is not creating same problem again and again when we know that is a problem. That's what I learned through this competition. Most assuredly don't allow anything new to be built in a low-lying area because we'll have to spend a lot of money protecting it in the future and probably, ultimately, we'll have to abandon it anyhow. You know, the Bay Development and Conservation, how many developments has the BCDC approved? It's a conservation group, but it, it does happen to be a, staffed by employees that we taxpayers pay for. TJEC's argument is an economic one. But spending money on facing this issue now may be the cheaper route. For every dollar we spend preparing and trying to reduce the impacts, we save four to five dollars as to what it would cost for us to deal with the damage and the impacts after the fact. So it's an extraordinarily good investment. Uh, I use the analogy of people who say, well, the sun is shining, so why in the world should I spend money now fixing the roof on my house? Doing nothing now means passing this problem and its costs on to the next generation. Healy doesn't know how this is going to play out. I think we have a hard time as humans looking into the future. It's hard for us to understand just how big and how serious this problem really is. We aren't wired to understand the implications of sea level rise, but we don't want to wish this on our children and our grandchildren. I really believe in going green and learning more natural ways to use energy and recycling, and I feel like you know the world could do more of that, um, just, just to be cleaner, you know what I mean? It's yeah, just... our schools started composting this year. <laughs> Try to pay attention to what the world's saying about it all, but um, I haven't really fixed on an opinion yet, so. The Fosters are just one family living along the shore. Their story is personal, but the challenges they're up against are not unique. Human society has built along the shores of waterways throughout the world. How will we handle sea level rise? We don't know yet. But we must start asking the questions. Okay, doke, you guys. I'm gonna take this lady okay, home. So we're gonna watch a movie. Or okay, taking off. Yeah. Yeah. Bye, Goodbye, you all. Goodbye. Bye. Rise. This program 
Ill Tidings was produced and directed by Claire Schoen. Associate producers Eric Camus and Vanessa Lowe. The editor was Eric Camus. Original music by Jonathan Mitchell. Special thanks to Jan Sturman, Stephen Most, Laura Clivens, and Scott Kuei. To hear all the stories in the RISE series, please visit us online at crise.org. I'm Claire Schoen.